Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you, along with Derek Scott on Oilers Now. It's 105 in Edmonton. The second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Uh, Ken Holland. Uh, we are hoping to hook up with Ken today at 135. He uh, had to attend to a personal matter and uh, is in transit as we speak. So we're trying to coordinate that. Uh, he is, of course, the Oilers' uh, president of hockey operations and general manager. Uh, momentarily, we're going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. The River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. In fact, we're going to get to it right now as we are pleased to welcome back to the show the man who drafted both. Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. He started Octagon's player agency. It's one of the biggest uh, agencies in the business and was the number one pick in the 1983 NHL draft. And he has uh, become, over the course of the last couple of years, one of the more popular guests on this show. We welcome back Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bob. How are you? Good. Any interesting calls in the last week or so? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things going on. You and I talk privately a lot. And, uh, you know, I haven't said to anybody, I'm still under contract NHL Network, but uh, I won't be returning. I am attempting to go work for a club in the National Hockey League. Okay. Uh, my, contract, my contract is up soon, and uh, I'm looking forward to some potential opportunities. We'll see what happens. That's all I can say. Uh, I'm getting the sense more and more, and I, I just, it, and it's funny because uh, I remember when I first read Moneyball, and then the movie came out, and everybody saw the scene with the old scouts having the conversation. Uh, and I'm not an ageist. I do have time for people that have put their time in the business. But I, I, I sense with the, you know, challenges with things like the salary cap and uh, the fact video-wise that you can get every shift that a player's had in the last three seasons, uh, the importance of analytics, that it is becoming a younger man's game or maybe a younger person's game at heart that's more open to the technical advantages and nuances in the game. Would you agree or disagree with that? I agree 100%. Uh, it doesn't have to be a younger person's game. 
It just has to be a more forward-thinking person's game. And that's because all the information. I have a really simple way of putting it for people because I would hear this in Tampa when we started the analytics department there. That was back in 2008. And trust me, it wasn't a popular move. However, back then and today, I still rationalize it the same way. A lot of the scouts that are old school will say, we're right, we know we see, we're always right. And then you have analytics people that'll say, no, we're right. And everybody's missing the point. It's not we're right, they're right. It's what's right. I don't know if you love money, and every team in the National Hockey League loves money because it's the currency that you need on the salary cap in order to build your team. It is a lot cheaper to utilize analytics than go out and sign guys and find out you're wrong. And that's all it comes down to. Not who's right, it's what's right for the franchise. Wow. Uh, interesting. Well, uh, and we've seen certain organizations deploy it more. I think a lot of people look at Florida. Tampa certainly does. Toronto, I think, has 11 people. The last time I checked, Toronto was over 70 people in their hockey operations department. The orders were around 30 to 35. Uh, I don't know if there's a sweet spot on that. And you would probably just say it's not a sweet spot. It's just get the best people and build the best various units and departments. Now, would you want silo management approach? So one guy does the farm, he does the farm. One guy does amateur, the the head of amateur does amateur, the head of pro does pro, the guy that runs the AHL team, that's his. Or would you want a little bit of crossover? Uh, How would you, from a management perspective, handle that, Brian? I want a lot of crossover. I believe in a flat organization. I don't believe in silos. I don't believe just because you're running the American League, you can't contribute in player evaluations or some other way, shape, or form in the organization. So I absolutely prefer less bureaucracy, and that's what a flatter organization gives you. I like the constant communication. I like people being aware of what other people are doing in their roles. Um, I like the collaboration. That's just me. Some guys hate it. In terms of the size of hockey operations, I do prefer smaller, but not understaffed, not being too thin. I still think there's a lot of teams that run too thin in the National Hockey League. I understand why most of the resources go into the player budget, but before you can spend your money on the player budget, You need to figure out who the right players are to have. And I still think there's some organizations that are understaffed because of that. Is it more important, in your opinion, to have eyes out at the amateur level or in pro? Both equally as important. Analytics are a little more challenging on the amateur side, and yet they are not non-existent. People have been saying it's non-existent for years. It's not the case. You can do more analytically on the amateur side. Um, but to, to not, you know, really be grinding it out on the pro side analytically. So, you know, most it's public knowledge at SMA that just dumped all their player and tracking information to every club at the exact same moment. Everybody got the last two years of data utilizing the player and puck tracking. 
Sorry, who did Nobody this? Nobody knows what to This was the company that the NHL hired. Okay. So they dumped all the data to all the teams equally. The, the teams that were ahead of it knew what they needed to do in terms of building an engine that can help them decipher what's meaningful versus measurable. Not easy to do. We can measure everything in the game now. Now we have to figure out what really matters. And it, it doesn't matter who you are, but you have to have some understanding of this if you're going to manage a club today. There's just too much data there that can really help you make better decisions. Everybody's so close that if your decisions are just an eighth of an inch better, it could be the difference between making the playoffs and missing, winning a round or two, winning the Stanley Cup or losing. This stuff really matters. This is where the game is at. It's a bunch of hogwash that, oh, it's not like baseball. It's not one-on-one events. All that is true, but we can still improve our decision-making ability with the use of analytics. And we don't have to improve a lot to make a significant jump forward. The other thing that I, I think is vastly different between amateur and pro is video. You can literally, and I don't know the name of the uh, actual program, but I, I'm led to believe you could get every shift of a player over the last two or three seasons via video and spend three or four hours going through shift by shift. Now, I, you still need to see the players, but some combination of the two. How important do you think video becomes to the process of this? It's incredibly important, and you can go different directions on the video. There are companies that do it from here in North America, and there's companies that do it from locations in Russia that have every game in the world. How they get them, what rights they yeah, what rights they have, who knows? But I have used both systems, legal and illegal. I actually used to use the illegal form in the Stanley Cup Finals when I'm covering it for NHL Network in a normal year. And it allowed me to break down the games in real time. And we didn't have those resources at the network. It used to drive me crazy. But I could mark shifts. I could pull them back up. It was incredible. So, yes, you can do incredible things. You can literally break a a game down in between periods using a legal system, maybe something that's not so legal because they don't actually have the rights to do it. But you can still do it over public airways. We're joined by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Brian, uh, there was a really good piece written by The Athletic uh, about ownership in Tampa Bay, the subsequent ownership that took over from the Orrin Coolis, uh Len Berry uh, ownership group, of which they hired you to be their GM. Are there advantages to Tampa above and beyond uh, that has contributed, and I don't mean to take away anything from what the Lightning have achieved. They've been in, what, six of the last eight conference finals in the Eastern uh, Conference. That's pretty damn impressive. they got a great amateur scout. Uh, Steve Eiserman did a wonderful job. they got a progressive. Uh, they had the heir apparent weight in Julian Breezebaugh. But at the end of the day, are there still some benefits that Tampa Bay has that force that maybe other organizations don't, so they have to find their own ways to be creative to have some in-house advantages? Yeah, they, they absolutely um, they absolutely can sign some players for a discount because of the no state tax. 
Some players want to play there because of the weather. And there are distinct advantages for all the teams in the states with no state taxes. Think Seattle now and Washington, obviously. Uh, Arizona has a lower tax basis. Texas is obviously the same as Florida and Seattle. Those are distinct advantages. Unfortunately, no one has been able to come up with a simple method to flatten that out, to quantify it. And I don't think we ever will, to be honest with you. But when I was hired in Tampa, I was over the moon about the opportunity that I knew we would get to recruit players. And we actually did very well right out of the gate in terms of competing for free agents, not having to overpay them and still convince them to go there. Edmonton sells a different story. Do they have to target a different player? Like the Oilers, I think, had the most Canadian players on their team this year. Uh, St. Louis, when they won the Cup, Ryan, as you know, in 1819, had the most Canadian players at that time. Historically speaking, there has not been a lot of success here with Russian players, nor has there been a lot of success here with players out of Quebec Major Junior League. There's been exceptions to the rule. Um, they've hit the home run with guys out of Ontario. They had this guy named Wayne from the Edmonton operation, and then they got this guy named Connor who helps them recruit players. But does Edmonton have to maybe sell their, frame their story and sell their story differently, and how much of that revolves around 97 and 29? A lot of it. That's why this year was such a big year for the Oilers. They are now selling the ability to win. And I don't feel bad for the Oilers. Um, I felt bad for him a long, long time ago when I got a recruiting tape from him, and it wasn't as flattering as maybe I would have thought it could be. You know, it opened up with a shot of the oil fields. <laughs> and um, it's not that oil fields aren't beautiful, but I don't think that that, you know, really galvanized players to want to go there. Um, but all these years later, right, they're back, they're back to their roots which are that we have a really good hockey team and we have some of the best players in the world. And if you want to win, Edmonton is the place. Now, there's lots of other great things about Edmonton, but they'll never, as far as I can tell, they'll never have no <laughs> a tax situation that will be similar to some of the places in the States. you got to take what you have and you got to use it to your advantage. Connor McDavid is an enormous draw, as is Leon Dreisaitl. The fact that the team made it to the final four is huge for them. Is it going to be equal to what it means to go to Tampa, who also has a good team and good players? Not to everyone. So how do you handle that? In some ways, it's good. Uh, but you got to stay away from the mercenary players. They'll just go anywhere for the most money. You don't want those guys. You want the guys that are the real players that want to win. I think this is going to be helpful for Ken Holland and for the Edmonton Oilers, and they're going to be making some really great decisions in the future. Evander Kane was a massive good decision for Edmonton. It doesn't matter if people questioned. We don't really know what we're going to get. It was a no-brainer for Edmonton to do it. They put the time, effort, and work in to make it happen, and Evander came in and was a really focused hockey player that added enormously to their group. Other players are going to recognize that. Zach Hyman is an extension of that as well. Yeah. Well, that's the one for me. I mean, I, you know, and again, getting tipped off by, uh, ironically enough, Brad Holland, 
who's, I would suggest, is probably the most progressive thinker the Oilers have uh, in their organization. And he's a guy that, you know, before I remember before the Oilers played the Maple Leafs in the All-Canadian uh, division, he said, Bob, wait till you see Hyman. He's going. He's going to be good in this series. He ended up being first star in two of the three games. And I know the Oilers paid him, but I can't think of a guy who had a better attitude and was more positive Never heard him once. You know what? Come back. It's minus 28 outside when we land. You usually get the wise, not a, like just positive energy guy all the time. And in this day and age, Brian, that's an important thing when you bring a guy like that in. It is, Bob. They're, they're culture players, and nobody's really talking about it because Connor McCavitt is so great, and he's been so great since he came in the league. But I feel like he took a massive step forward this year. And I believe that part of that is you see a guy like Zach Hyman come in who's never going to be labeled a star of any real type in the superstar category at least. But you see the work ethic and the professionalism that they bring every day, and it helps everyone, not just the players on the third or fourth lines, but sometimes your top players. And to me, that was massively instrumental in the season that the Oilers are able to have. Getting a guy like Hyman in, just letting him do what he does. He's thoughtful. He's hardworking. He's selfless. There's so many great qualities there that it's really gold for your organization if you can start to get people that consistently possess those attributes. It won't be long before the Oilers win the Stanley Cup, that's for sure. Brian, the Colorado Avalanche are almost there. And I think back to 16-17, they had a horrendous year. Chris McFarland, who I believe will become their general manager this summer. Craig Billington, those guys did yeomanship work uh, for Joe Sackick, who's the current president and GM. And Joe's Joe, we all know that. Uh, but there was a scenario where they had as tough a year as anybody had had in the last 20 years in the NHL. It shows you how it can turn around, doesn't it? It, it really does. And you know what? We had some seasons in Tampa. They'd finished dead last before I got there. But, you know, we finished second worst the following year. It is so painful, hurtful to your ego. A- anything that you know or think about the game, it's just, it's painful. But they endured that, and they're going to come out on the other side. Uh, you know, it looks like they're going to win this series. It's not over. But they have done great work. And, and Joe Sackick, I played with Joe Sackick in Quebec. Sometimes people forget that. Joe's an amazing guy. I'm somewhat shocked that he went on to become a general manager because he, you know, he doesn't, certainly doesn't need the money, but he loves the city. He loves living out there. He's the only, someone asked me the other day, you know, are you always going to get fired if you're a GM? I said, no. I don't think Joe Sackick will ever be fired <laughs> as a GM. <laughs> I think he's going to move past it. And uh, and it doesn't surprise me. I just, the surprising thing for me was that he actually took the job. Um, but I think he fell in love with the game the way that he did when I played with him his rookie year. And that was for a very brief time. Um, and you could just see a guy that, you know, was unique. Went back to junior when he made the NHL after being drafted. Uh, there's a lot of unique qualities that Joe has, and I do agree with you in terms of Chris will most likely go on and be the GM, and Joe will most likely go on and be the president. Uh, I credit Brian Cronkey and Stan 
for convincing Joe just to get involved at the level he's been involved. Uh, one final one for you. I don't know if you played in this game, but I know that Pittsburgh had a game with Quebec uh, during that year, and there was like 10 or 12 fights in the game. Uh, Jim Johnson would have been one of the guys scrapping, but at one point, someone was running around from Quebec, and Rob Brown, he was the target was Rob Brown, and Joe went and grabbed Rob Brown. They played on the World Junior Team together and said, don't worry, I got Brownie. <laughs> and Brownie was like, thank, thank you, Joe, for saving my life. Because it was one of the hammers for the Nordiques. I forget who it was. But, uh, it, I mean, it was just a while. Stuff like that happened back then, didn't it? It did all the time, to be honest with you, more than people know. But I did not play in that game because I absolutely would have remembered that. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you this. Joe was as fine a player, and it was evident to me that was about the middle of my career that uh, this guy was really special. You could see it in him. So it's great to see him doing the same things in management because he's a great leader. Uh He's a little bit like Stevie Eiserman. He doesn't. He's not a big talker. He's not braggadocious. He's very selfless. But there's also an eeriness of you're standing next to an assassin when you deal with these guys. It's a great quality to have in NHL management. Great stuff, Brian. Uh, hopefully we get to do this for a couple more weeks. I'm hoping so. I enjoy it. Thank you, Bob. You you bet. That's Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. When we come back, uh, we'll get to our prospects report here uh, for Scott Arthur Millwork when we return on Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. 128 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan S. Scott and Derek Scott. And we go to the Oilers Now prospect report brought to you by Scott Arthur Millwork. Custom cabinetry, luxury closets, exceptional millwork. Visit scottarthurmillwork.com today. And here's Brendan S. Scott. Oilers prospect Xavier Borgo, a goal and an assist in Shawinigan's win over the Oil Kings to open their Memorial Cup. Tonight, they take on Hamilton. You heard Jackson Weeb and uh, his great performance last night. Well, it's got him and actually Luke Prokop tied for the team lead in points at the Memorial Cup for the Oil Kings with three. Prokop has a goal and two assists. Sebastian Kosa's 9.05 save percentage, pacing goaltenders so far wow. as well. Uh, tonight, it's Shawinigan and Hamilton. Tomorrow, your Oil Kings take on Mason McTavish and the Bulldogs. 129 in Edmonton. We'll tell you that Uncle Milt for 20 years, uh, he has been telling me this, uh, a good salesman sells one truck, a good service department keeps customers back for more. And uh, some customers have purchased as many as 50 units over the years from Brent Ridge Ford. That same service department is one of the reasons that Brent Ridge just received their 11th Presence Award for from Ford for customer satisfaction. If you need maintenance or repairs in your vehicle, you can call Kevin, Margie, or Mike at one 877 That's 1-877-477-3673. Uh, we're going to endeavor to hook up with uh, Oilers General Manager Ken Holland after a Global News weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. 
Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.